Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Monash. This is the weekend edition where we interview notable people from the world of real estate investing. Today is no exception. We have a great guest all the way from Salt Lake City in Utah. Welcome to the show, Amy Johnson. Hi, thanks for having me. Great to have you here. Now, Amy, we've been working together for quite some time on a variety of different projects. But one of the things that struck me about you is the ability to invest in markets that are outside your home market. But before we dive into those details, why don't you give a little bit of your backstory and how you got to this point in your journey? Yeah, so we started as as far as development, we started back, we were single family home investors, the numbers weren't making as much sense, and we wanted to go larger. And so we started to look for more opportunities, we started in development with storage units. And because of that, and demographics, we had to start looking in other markets as well for storage units, so that we could have a good geographic base. And that's kind of what opened us to the world of development in other markets. Fabulous. Development is so much more difficult, of course, than just buying existing assets. What is it that attracted you to development? Is it lack of lack of supply? Is it you could do it better and cheaper? What was it that made development interesting? Yeah, it was more about creating an opportunity, really good about creating a vision and solving problems for municipalities of what they needed. So um, in the first asset class that we were trying with storage, as well as townhomes or other things like that, um, I found a lack of the product. And so I needed to provide that product for the communities. And so then we'd educate the cities on why it's in need, just like attainable housing. You know, some of these cities that we've been going into, they've never even heard of, they don't have a building code for a condo. They don't even know what a townhome is, but that's an attainable housing option. And we're helping educate people about that. So when you say that you're not necessarily focused on primary markets with those assets, you're maybe focusing on markets that are smaller, that have, like you said, a gap, they have a need. And because they haven't had that particular asset type in the past, you're creating it in order to fulfill that need. Exactly. Yeah. And then it makes, you know, the with development, there's because there's a large risk, there's also high yield, but there is a large risk with it. And then the other hard part with development, it's definitely a long game. It's not something, you know, like you'd take a take a fix and flip type of example. You could buy a house, fix it up, flip it and 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 be done. It's a very short incubation period, right? Where development is not the case. You can be working on something for about two years before it's actually finished. Or longer, potentially. Or longer. Well, I just mean even, I should say before, I should use the wrong word of finished. I meant even approved. (laughs) Two years for it to become approved, even with the city to be able to get started on the project. Yes, absolutely. Well, in fact, one of the things that I've noticed in in working with you is that you seem to have a deal flow, a level of deal flow, and opportunities that are coming to you almost fast and furious, where there are people reaching out to you, offering you opportunities. What is it that you've done that's caused that to happen? Because it doesn't just happen by accident. Yeah, I think when I entered in the development world, I felt like it was very hush-hush and not a lot of collaboration. 
in the residential world, I feel there is a lot of collaboration, people sharing, giving up good information. There's a more of abundance mindset there. And I don't know if developers are saying that they're, they're a scarcity mindset, but they definitely aren't as open and won't freely talk about the development process. So I, I started with that and said, hey, I, I'm just very open to collaboration and working with individuals. I always make sure to take care of anybody that brings me a project and I wouldn't make it so that they thanks for the project and I don't pay them for it. And because of that, they keep bringing me more and more projects because I take really good care of those individuals. I think the biggest part is the collaboration and, and just being freely and open with information and being teaching. I used to be a teacher back in the day. And so I have a heart of a teacher. And so I like to teach people. I like to share my information that I have with them and the reality is, is development is because it's risky and complicated. Most people, yes, they've now received the information from me, but they want, they want that help along the way because there are so many unknowns. So it opens up more opportunities. Now you're active in multiple different markets, markets that are quite distant from where you live. How do you become an expert in those markets, not just to understand the market dynamics, size the opportunity, but even understand the zoning code, how it changes from one community to the next. Yeah, I've had some learning experiences there for sure. Um, so I, it's about <clears throat> maintaining or obtaining a good base of network in the local market. So whether that's, you know, grasping local brokers, real estate agents, other landowners, other developers, and talking with them, researching the code. Something I have found is, especially the smaller cities that are expect are, are experiencing large amount of growth, they don't have listed in their code everything that you actually need. Um, their codes aren't up to date and you turn your project in and they say, oh, by the way, didn't you know? And I say, no, where is that listed? Oh, we don't have, we just thought you knew. So it's not all documented. So there's been, there's some learning experiences there. So that's when meeting with other people there, collaborating with other people that are locals there and talking to them so that you can fully grasp and understand their code and what, what they're wanting. You mentioned a couple of times, you said that development is risky. What are the sort of pitfalls that you, not that anything's necessarily routine, but more routinely run into? Everything takes twice as long as you expect, and it costs twice as much more than you plan. So I would say those are my two biggest things in development world. If you think it's going to be a slam dunk, it should be really easy. You'll have it approved. You're following their code. So it should be a slam dunk, no problem. Maybe the city's experiencing a high turnover in, in their staff themselves, and then have a file right now it's been sitting for six months not being reviewed and obviously that incurs interest costs and everything else with it so i'd say those are probably the two biggest things i mean there's a myriad of things but those are the general things everything costs more than you plan and takes longer than you plan so just make sure you account for those and is that because of lack of understanding of the rules on a, on your part, or is it that the goalposts are moving and the rules are being made up as they go along, or a bit of both? 
I think it's a little bit of both, but more, especially the, the goalpost is moving. Look, I helped a city plan overlay ordinance and help them create it in their code. I spent about six months doing that and they, they passed it unanimously at 10 units per an acre. And then, and it was always implied that this piece, this overlay code was, we were always talking about my piece of dirt, that this was going to be overlaid. Um, it was very specific and very talked about. Fast forward, we go to put the overlay on our product and they say, oh, we just don't feel comfortable with 10 units per an acre. It took some legal actions and about eight months later, for them to say, okay, we'll be happy with 8.5 units per an acre. Well, that's about what, when it comes to a large project, well, for this size of project, that's a, about a million and a half loss. And that's where a, a strong part where the goalpost is moved. I had another city say, I know you have this written. We don't like that. We want this. And then, and then they end the meeting with, let's, why don't you come back and let's try that. Let's see if it'll work. And <laughs> that doesn't follow code. That's not a, you know, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm meeting all of your requirements and you're going to make me pay for my engineering and civil and everything like that. And just for a, let's see if this will work. You know, because the city council, I mean, the municipalities, you have to realize that these are elected officials, but they are their teachers, their farmers, their, you know, their civilians that aren't don't have a master's in in planning or anything like that. They they do care about their city and about the the feel of it, but you know, they don't have as complex understanding sometimes about cluster development and and some things that are smarter it's just it's just strictly their opinion and when you consider the work of the city council in almost any community 90 percent of it pertains to land use yes yep so you've got people that are opinionated but not necessarily knowledgeable empowered to make the decisions yeah yeah so i you know i had somebody say well i really enjoy my half acre lot and i feel like others should be able to have half acre lots as well well, I asked them, well, when did you pay for your half acre lot? And they said, well, back in 1970. And I said, that's fabulous. Do you realize how much a half acre lot is now? If you build a house in, in this particular market that I was working with, if you build a house on a half acre lot, we're talking about a million and a half home. Yeah, it's not a very affordable product. No, no. And then on the flip side, they want, they're trying to say, oh, we want, we want our teachers to be able to live in our community, but then they, but then they only want half acre lots and the teacher can't acquire a half acre lot. Yeah. So they, there's a disconnect between what it is that they want and the affordability of that particular product type. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fascinating. Well, Amy, if folks want to learn more, if they want to connect, what's the best way? Um, so you can come to our Infinite Real Estate Group is my brokerage of my my team, my team, infiniterealestategroup.com. You can email me at amy at infiniterealestategroup.com or amy at saltdevco.com. Fantastic. Well, Amy, love the perspective. And for the listeners at home, definitely reach out to Amy at amy at infiniterealestategroup.com. And in the meantime, have an awesome rest of your weekend. Go make some great things happen. And we'll talk to you again tomorrow.